0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Commons Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam.
1: And my name is Jeremy.
0: We're here to discuss Uncanny X-Men 275, the 40-page anniversary-ish issue. It came out April 1991, on sale February 5th of 1991, cover price of $1.50. PageCon is essentially 48 pages with ads, but 40 pages of story. And uh this one's titled The Path Not Taken.
1: Yeah, and the cover, this uh three three fold or gatefold cover, it proclaims that it's the Eagle Awards 90 winner. And I always thought this was weird, uh, because it's like forever imprinted on that cover <laughs> for a thing I don't know that I certainly wasn't aware of what it was. Maybe people that were deep in the comics scene were like, oh, my God, it got an Eagle Award that I feel like for the rest of us is like, what is this? And why is it on my cover? I mean, you win an
0: award. I mean, you want to you want to advertise it.
1: I just wonder what the Eagle Awards was and like. What was it up against?
0: It was just Chris Claremont.
1: <laughs> I'm going to do some Eagle Awards. X-Men wins. Yeah. I don't know. this feels like it would be something that would be in like Marvel Age of like check out our latest Eagle Awards winner, uncanny X men Are there any other Eagle Award winners? I don't know. I mean this is the only thing i think I feel like throughout my the age of me collecting comic books, there's only been a couple of like just emblazoned uh you know things like this on a cover where you're like, you know what this isn't going to mean anything in two years. Like the Toys R Us ads that's emblazoned on the top of comic books. It, it's neat that it sort of captures an era of time. But at, but at the same time, when you're buying a back issue of a comic, you're like, well, I, I don't qualify for this contest. Glad it's here. <laughs> I always hate it when they
0: advertise the latest movie on the top of their comics it's like ugh, it's just this just takes up space this is gross
1: <laughs> throw it as an advertisement in the book of course because that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to sell advertisements but don't but maybe maybe that was like a deal that toys r us paid marvel like a ton of money to like throw this on the top of your popular comic books probably yeah so that's that's probably why it was done.
0: So maybe the Eagle Awards paid Marvel a lot of money.
1: It could be. I mean, maybe the Eagle Awards was like, we're going we're gonna, to like really become this meaningful com- committee of, of quality comics. Marvel, throw this on your cover. and We'll pay you $10,000. Okay. And they went
0: under because they paid them too much money.
1: Yeah. And then they ran out of money. <laughs> Our first annual and only annual winner, Uncanny X-Men. Well, on the cover of this, you have uh, our current, well, the team that was beamed to Deathbird's service, Gambit, Banshee, Forge, Psylocke, Wolverine, Storm, and Jubilee, all in blue and yellow classic, modern classic X-Men uniforms with the mysterious gold-helmeted man in the backdrop.
0: Known as Warlord, we will find.
1: And uh, off to the... I guess left you've got your your um, Savage Land story, and then off to the right you've got your Shi'ar story. So spoilers in this issue. Uh, we basically have two issues smashed together.
0: Does the Savage Land stuff look reminiscent of the previous cover, X-Men 274?
1: Yeah. I feel like oh, the Rogue yeah. is
0: practically in the same position.
1: Oh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think, let's just check it out here. I think Jim Lee it probably here. likes drawing sexy ladies.
0: Uh, I guess it's she is, I guess it's not the same. It's more of a uh, it's similar or different.
1: The face is similar, but her body is like like she's she's dangling off of Magneto. She has Magneto arm candy in two seventy four.
0: Yeah, two seventy four is a side boot butt shot, whereas two seventy five is a straight on shot.
1: Yeah. The face is similar. The face but,
0: is essentially the same.
1: But I feel like Jim Lee I like his faces a lot but I think they end up being very similar. That's
0: true of lots of artists.
1: Yeah. Uh so yeah, I mean it's a it's a good cover I guess.
0: I mean it's cool for the time. It's a, a fold out three three panel cover.
1: Yeah, th- this sort of feels like uh maybe the first gimmick uh cover for at least the uncanny X-Men.
0: I I like these old modern costumes. I know you said you don't like them, but uh, the only the only real nitpick I would have of this cover is Forge looks a little uncomfortable in his pose. But <laughs> beyond yeah. that, everybody looks good.
1: I I like Banshee in the costume and Forge. Uh, I I'm, I'm probably just so used to Wolverine and. Uh, I don't really care about Psylocke, what she's wearing, uh, but the Wolverine and, and Jubilee and Gambit, to me, have, have iconic classic costumes, and so to take them out of those costumes and throw them into the X-Men uniforms feels weird, but it'll happen again, so whatever.
0: Eh, nah, it's okay.
1: When they all go to black leather, and what year is yeah. this released? 92, so I guess seven years after this?
0: This was ninety one, so. 91, so eight years. Because that X
1: Men came out in ninety nine, right?
0: Did it? I thought it came out in two thousand, but I have I don't know about that.
1: Might have been two thousand.
0: You might be right. It could be ninety nine.
1: But yeah, let's open this thing up. Um, we we have uh, the Star Jammers and that Warlord dude, uh, sh- striking for Lalandra and the glory of the Empire and freedom and stuff.
0: Somehow these words need to be added to the Starjammers so like, <laughs> star jammers intro song. It's like star jammers jamming across the universe. Star jammers fighting for the empire, fighting for the glory, fighting for the freedom star jammer strike. Yeah.
1: Landra. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think, uh, I think y- you've got, uh, that's sort of the refrain so so star jammers jamming across the universe That's the chorus
0: and it's a character in the background that shouts for the landra it's and chode,
1: kicks up a fist absolutely and, he, and it's, for the landra <laughs> and uh yeah absolutely. so in the live show uh he he definitely like pumps his fists at that moment yeah uh and maybe you know the the scree guy or whatever his uh, pet guy's name yeah, um yeah. He, in my version of the band he pay, plays a little tiny electric guitar but he's like wicked good. <laughs> <laughs> and so like he jumps out for the the, the solo and he's just like You're honestly, imagining
0: this as a band. I was imagining this as like an opening for a cartoon show. But I like the band. That's weird. Well
1: <laughs> oh, it's it's an opening for a cartoon show, don't get me wrong. But but the the, the hook is that the star jammers, they play a heavy they play metal. Instruments? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean I that like not it. really it's not it just pretty much for like the opening. Uh, theme song it's like the Archie's right
0: so they play instruments in the opening theme song but they never play instruments in the show
1: right I like it yeah exactly (laughs) I feel like um, the Archie show did that where they played like the theme song but then like the cartoon was just them doing hijinks (laughs) and maybe every now and then they're like we gotta sign up for the battle of the bands uh, and maybe that's ha- what happens in the star jammers, but you actually never see them on stage or playing instruments. They're always you know fighting crime or whatever.
0: But every episode they mention, we gotta sign up for the Battle of the Bands
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe the the whole series is that they're trying to get the to the Battle of the Band's planet, but they keep <laughs> getting sidetracked by all these crimes they have to solve.
0: I keep seeing battles of the band's posters and like we we gotta get there, man.
1: Yeah, and well at the end of every episode when they've wrapped up the mystery, they're like, Guys, the battle of the bands is in two weeks and we haven't practiced once. <laughs> wah, wah. And Corsair's like, yeah. It's not a mystery machine. What what is their ship called?
0: The Starjammer.
1: Oh, to the Starjammer. And then that's you know, that's how every episode ends, and then they launch into an instrumental version of Starjammers <laughs> jamming across the universe. yep it's good stuff and then uh over the under the credits you know so they have the credits all the creator stuff but behind it is like stills of the star jammers playing the song that they played in the opening uh, credits (laughs) which was fully animated yeah it's a whole thing
0: yeah yeah. this is this is uh i'm gonna pretend this is a real show that was part of my childhood
1: you know what Uh with Disney Plus basically releasing everything and anything, I think we could have a really good shot of getting this thing created. Even if it's just like an eight-episode, you know, one-shot season.
0: I'm telling you, man. We discussed this before, but the X-Men should start with a Star Jammers movie. And people would be like, <laughs> what is it, Star Starjammers? But they go see it because it's a Marvel movie. And then, like, there would be just random X-Men references but no actual X-Men in it. And maybe at the end of the movie they'd visit Professor X. And be like oh okay
1: maybe that was, I, that was weird <laughs> I, I mean i don't know that she r and and all of this stuff is any more in the popular culture than eternals is and that was a movie. exactly so at this point
0: and apparently eternals didn't do well enough that they're going to make a sequel so instead of making an eternal sequel just make a star jammers movie there you go could feature some leftover eternals characters why not
1: so if you're in the Eternals, the, the character cast, and you're like, man, the Avengers, three of those movies, four of those movies, and all of these spinoffs, this is going to be awesome, we're set for life, and then it gets released, and they're like, oh, I guess we're Because I think there's a rule, like, if you've been in one Marvel movie, like, that's it. You can't be recast as somebody else.
0: Into another um, Marvel-like property? Yeah. Unless you're Patton Oswald?
1: What was, oh, well, that, I don't know if that counts.
0: I mean, he's been in shows. He's been in. Uh, he's p- he played voices. Uh, I feel like he's done multiple things, like in the le- in the legit MCU. But like he was on the Agents of Shield show, so I guess that doesn't really count.
1: I don't think that counts, right? I think it's like like Disney proper. So Modoc, which is great, by the way, if you haven't seen it, I don't know if that.
0: I watched the first episode. I didn't like
1: it. Oh, you didn't? I yeah, I too like... much animal violence. Oh, I don't too much
0: unnecessary animal violence. This is spun for laughter,
1: yeah, I don't know that that continues because i don't I don't remember any animal violence um <laughs> I thought it was great, but I think it was a Hulu original, so I don't that doesn't count uh
0: yeah, I no, don't I think wasn't, I wasn't I forgot about that actually
1: <laughs> I don't remember I'm sure there was probably a scene of young Modoc probably torturing an animal for laughs, but I don't remember it.
0: I do. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to go over it. Just rewatch the first episode, and you'll be like, "Oh, that's what he's talking about." It's it's fairly constant through the entire episode. Hmm. It's not like a thing where you can be like, "Oh, well, at least we're over that bit." It's it goes on through the entire thing.
1: Okay.
0: You just keep bringing it back. Hmm. All right. Well, the intention is if you keep doing something, eventually it's going to be funny.
1: Uh, well, that's the Family Guy sort of formula. Yeah. Yeah. All right, anyways, the Star Jammers are striking, and we get a two-page spread with three panels on it of the Starjammer docking with, I don't know, a big Imperial ship, I think, that Deathbird is on.
0: Yeah, so the Star Jammer's a little ship. The Deathbird ship is a behemoth ship. It's a behemoth class or something. Apocalypse class behemoth. I do you pronounce that word? Behemoth? Behemoth. Yeah. Uh
1: Bet him off, much
0: much bigger, bet him off,
1: yeah, let's go with that,
0: and yeah, yeah, this is a, they're they're just fighting stuff this This is a very wordy issue. it took quite a while to read forty pages of Chris Claremont like putting words all over the place. We're not going to cover it in that
1: detail, yeah, maybe this this might be like the beginning of the end for Jim Lee because he's just like, oh, I just draw action and 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 scenes and stuff, he's putting all these words on my panels. <laughs>
0: I mean, the words aren't – none of the words are bad. I I never felt like, oh, so many words. These are pointless. Well, once I did. (laughs) Maybe I'll point that out when we get there or or I'll forget. There's only one point where I noticed all the words and I was like, wow,
1: it's a lot of words. (laughs) So this issue is uh, by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. Scott Williams is the inker. Tom Orzikowski is the letter. Uh, Livvy Oliver and Rosas? Is it – or,
0: Oliveri, or is or, it Oliver Slash? I don't know. Okay.
1: Let's go with I'm assuming Oliveri. It's Oliveri. Yeah, let's go with that. He's the colorist, uh, or she. They are the colorist. Bob Harris is the editor. Tom DeFalco is the editor in chief. And this one has a special thanks to Carl Altstater, who I don't know who that is. I
0: don't know who that is either. I'm going to just type it into Google. Let's do that. see what happens.
1: Because I read that. I was like, I wonder if he's just kind of like an editorial guy. He's like, guys, you should just throw this in the plot. And they're like, that's a great idea, Carl. You're going to make something in this business. Or is he a Marvel fan who died, (laughs) which makes it a lot more sad?
0: Carl Artstater Comics. I make comics. I make toys. I write. They're my friends. I made them. All right. So he's a comic maker. Okay. Toy maker. He's on Instagram. Yeah, presumably still alive.
1: Good. Well, good for him. So maybe he was just kind of an employee there at Marvel with a with a good idea, and they decided to give him a little credit.
0: Maybe he was like Chris Claremont way back in that right uh, story that he, they gave him credit for, or something.
1: I, I um, that's what I'm going with. I think that's a good idea.
0: Writer, penciler, inker, editor, who has worked for Image, Marvel, DC, and others. Okay, yep. so he's a, he's a comic guy.
1: Yeah, so maybe he lent some pencils somewhere in this issue.
0: Does this mean that Jim Lee is sharing plot duties with Chris Claremont?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Because, I mean, we know that Chris Claremont is not sharing pencil duties with Jim Lee.
1: <laughs> well, we don't so know is... that. Adam. That's true. I mean, <laughs> I'm
0: pretty sure that that's not a thing, but that would be cool if it
1: was. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me just get in the trenches. <laughs> I want to draw something. Um. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that the plot is by Jim Lee and the words are by Chris Claremont. And and when we say plot, he probably just drew the whole thing and gave it over to Chris and said, yeah, generally this is what I want to have happen, and Chris just threw words in, which is fine.
0: Which is sort of Marvel method, except for maybe there was – I mean, I, they, they probably had a little conversation beforehand where they were like, okay, this is where we're going with the story.
1: Right. So when we last left our X-Men, uh, Deathbird had – restraint them all restrained them all with uh green tentacles uh in where we join them here wolverine is keeps trying to slash his way out but the the tentacles keep regrowing so he he just can't get a foothold he can't get out um but jubilee can't do anything for herself so she's able to use her powers to do something that allows wolverine to get an upper hand over these tentacles uh, and he gets free
0: So the convenience here is that the tentacles that are working on each of the X-Men are designed for their powers only. Mm -hmm. And they find that Jubilee's powers working on Wolverine's tentacles are able to break them. Yeah. So Wolverine uses his powers on Jubilee's tentacles to free her after he attacks Deathbird and Deathbird face plants him.
1: It would have been a better plan to have all the tentacles be able to counter react all of the X-Men's powers.
0: You would think that would be a uh yeah, this this is a plot contrivance to allow them to escape. But yeah, it would, it would have made more sense on the part of the villains to have more adept uh tentacle power restraints.
1: Uh there's a lot of commentary, you know, thoughts between characters about how Wolverine's not quite the man he used to be.
0: Even Deathbird, as she's face planting, Wolverine says, "I do," or thinks to herself, "I do not believe it. The man is a shadow of his true self, as though his flesh has all but failed him, and his life force remains sustained solely by indomitable will."
1: So this is twenty five issues, basically, because I think two fifty one, or maybe even slightly before that, is is when Wolverine started going downhill. So they've been working on this for like two years at this point, which which is good, but. When's he going to get better? It's
0: only in the writing. There is absolutely no showing of it. It's it's all tell, no show. Because, like, if you look at Wolverine, he looks fine.
1: You're right. Uh, and I think, I feel like when Sylvester and Green were working with Claremont, there were a lot of efforts to be like, okay, Wolverine triumphs, but when he gets done with it, like, his shoulders are slumped, his face is, you know, drained. Like, he just looks like he's been beaten up. And And you're right, here he's just like... Yeah, he jumps up, grabs Lady Deathstrike, but she gets the best of him and then Lady Deathstrike or um uh, Deathbird Deathbird Deathstrike. Come on. <laughs> uh but then he, you know, he he's able to triumph and like punch Deathbird in the face and then he's slashing all the tentacles free. Uh and nowhere in here is he like, "Oh man, that took a lot out of me, but we're free."
0: Well, he's too busy explaining that. The De- Deathbird's pet can only counter a specific power per prisoner. Mm-hmm. What works against you doesn't work against me and vice versa. Come on. Let's get to the other. Ah. Yeah. She kicks him in the back. Death. Deathbird does.
1: Yep. So they, those do get free. Um, lady Deathstrike stabs Wolverine. Not Deathbird <laughs> uh, stabs stop, Wolverine. Stop leading with
0: lady. Cause I know, Lady I know. leads into Lady Deathstrike.
1: Well, Deathbird's a lady. And you know how I always say, you know, gentleman Wolverine and yes, Lady yes, Storm, uh, how I always <laughs> do that, right? So you can understand how I would get confused. Uh and Jubilee yells at uh Deathbird, calling her a murderer. Come back here, you gutless cow. Yeah, she
0: runs he, this is the second or the first time that Jubilee will refer to someone as a cow. She will do it again later. Uh yeah. So Deathbird takes off, runs away, Wolverine's presumably dead and jubilee is gonna go after Deathbird, i guess but then wolverine gets up and is like hey down here turn down the volume will you kid making enough noise to wake the dead which i ain't quite yet i'm
1: not dead yet and, and all of this is is good good chris claremont dialogue uh
0: i like it. jubilee has to pull the spear out and wolverine kind of
1: guides her through it Just do it, schluck. Much obliged, jubilation. What
0: are you? Where are you?
1: Wolverine! It's a a really good image here that that Jim Lee has drawn of Wolverine sort of hunched over and running towards Deathbird. I like it.
0: Yeah, he's starting to look a little disheveled.
1: Yeah, now he is, yep. Uh, Storm finally chimes in. She's like, um, there are more of us. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, (laughs) why
0: didn't Wolverine rescue everybody else?
1: Wolverine takes off, and Jubilee's about to take off after, and that's when Storm commands Jubilee to help release the rest of the X-Men, and Jubilee's like... Skills me all to
0: places. I'm not the one who just ran off, okay? Yeah. So get off my case, okay? Don't tell I me swear. what to do. Why I hang out with these lamoid flatlines is a total mystery. Almost as much as why Wolverine cares so much about them.
1: So then a... Chode, who is about 17 times the size of any other character in the panel, bursts through a wall. Well,
0: he's at bursting size. So when you burst through a wall, I mean, in the Marvel Universe, you're automatically bigger. It's just how it works.
1: I mean, he's in the background bursting towards Jubilee and Storm. He should practically be going, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He is just huge. And and he Steady should be saying, says, oh, yeah. And uh that's when a bunch of guns point point at Jubilee and they're like, Surrender, or Imperial or Die, and she's like, Oh and that's when Landra shows up and she's like, Hey, these are X Men, these are our friends, don't worry about them. Glad to see you guys.
0: Unlike my sister, we do not slaughter children, and most especially not our dearest friends. For shame, Starjammer, not recognizing the X-Men. Oops.
1: Which, and she does say that, well, we only really know three of these. The rest of these uh, <laughs> people are all strangers, but everybody's you know, you know, like, oh my god, we're in space. Uh, and so they do they do a good job of pointing out like, well, only Wolverine, Banshee, and I have been off-world. Everybody else is kind of a noob to this. I am odd. Gesundheit. <laughs> so the Star Jammers are leading the X-Men, I guess, to do uh, an escape. And that's when the Imperial. No, remember. they're
0: they're not escaping. They're trying to find and capture Deathbird. They're they're on a mission here. Oh, and this is this is to reclaim uh, Lelandra's throne.
1: They bump into the the imperial like royal guard. We're working for Deathbird. Yeah, yeah. I've always been sort of confused about these people. So this is like a uh, gladiator, and, and I guess on the next page we get a, a full page, full two page spread um, of all these characters. But when we've seen. These guys in the past, they've all I feel like they've been on the side of Lilandra.
0: So the Imperial Guard and Guardian always work for whoever's in charge of the Shiar. Doesn't matter if it's a good or bad person, it's just whoever's in charge. So even though it's Deathbird who is working against Lilandra, the Imperial Guard must ally themselves with whoever the leader is, even if it's even if it's bad.
1: Yeah, I suppose. Yep. And that's what happens here. So we get this uh, two-page spread of all these characters and a reintroduction of who all of these characters are and what their names are.
0: Two characters mysteriously not named. One is Warlord. I don't know why they just didn't put Warlord there.
1: Where's Warlord? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he's new.
0: Well, he's new, but I don't know who half these people are. You could just put Warlord there.
1: I don't know that we know who Tempest is or Bolt. Yeah, I don't know any of these. Or about. earthquake. I, I, I know
0: Oracle, Gladiator. Yep. Kind of remembers Smasher. I'm somewhat familiar with Psylocke. <laughs> but Gambit has grabbed somebody by his uh, legs, and he, that guy doesn't get a name, I guess, because he's just a generic bad guy.
1: I think we've seen Titan before as well.
0: But Earthquake looks like a generic bad guy from this angle. And why does Hepzibah get a mamzell?
1: She's always been mamzell Hepsiba. She's. You could she's just a... say Hepsiba.
0: Save some words.
1: Yeah. But she's a, she's a French uh, space raccoon, but not rocket raccoon.
0: She's space skunk.
1: Space skunk. Why has Psylocke's skin tone changed?
0: Yeah, I had noticed that. I just figured it was a coloring snafu.
1: Of course it's a coloring snafu, but it seems it's like a weird one.
0: What is Raza doing? I guess he's just jumping, but he's like running down Titan, it looks like. Whee! <laughs> yeah. This is fun. Titan is enormous, by the way. So That must be his power, right? Yeah, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, he just gets knocked over.
1: So Wolverine, meanwhile, Wolverine chases down Deathbird. Uh, I guess he's getting ready to stab her. Just ate your days, darling.
0: I should have remembered you. Do not die as easily as most, Wolverine. A mistake I shall not make again.
1: And then back on the bridge, the, the other X-Men continue to fight the Imperial Guard. Like the way you move, Sherry. <laughs> Jeez Louise Gambit, and I thought I was the motor mouth. And then is like, you guys like each other, stop it. Give me a break, will ya?
0: Banshee thinks to himself, Gambit does ask a lot of questions, learning, about, learning all he can about us without revealing a whit about himself. Still, Storm trusts him, why shouldn't I?
1: And I wonder, you know, is that just throwaway dialogue or is Chris Claremont angling towards something with Gambit?
0: It's got to be angling because if you don't put that there, yeah. I don't notice that Gambit's asking a lot of questions.
1: Yeah, me neither. So I'm, I'm guessing that Chris Claremont wants there to be – An air of mystery. Well, an air of mystery, mystery, maybe some something nefarious with, with Gambit, although that wouldn't really make any sense based on his origin. I mean yeah, I don't know. the origin that we know, where he just kind of meets Storm. But I guess it's comic book, so you could be like, "Yeah, I knew Storm was going to be there, so I <laughs> hooked up with her, so I could infiltrate the X Men."
0: He's bad now.
1: Yeah, and he does become bad at some point, doesn't he? Doesn't he become a Horseman? I don't
0: know. I, I at some point I've I stopped following these the, the X Men, and I lost track of what happened to Gambit. But yeah. I mean, he's still there today. So,
1: so the X Men triumph over the Imperial Guard in short order I mean you got all these pages to to show that but uh they don't
0: Lila Cheney is there now Lila Cheney I don't know where she's been in the past couple of pages but well,
1: uh she's just kind of a intergalactic teleporter so uh, she she probably was hiding
0: just hiding around
1: Yeah she's like I can't fight <laughs> I sing in a band and abandoned teleport people Okay But yeah so they're they're all uh they're all captured Wolverine uh, walks in, got a got a tied-up, captured uh, Deathbird, and he's like, all right, well, that wraps up that caper.
0: Storm explains the plot for, uh, for the last couple of issues. Uh, somehow, Deathbird duped Lila Cheney, Cheney into teleporting us here ostensibly to rescue Charles Xavier. We were to be her cat's paws. Our mission was to slay him. But we
1: didn't see the professor. Where is he? Or Lilandra? where is he? And that's when... Well, oh, Alandra, she's talking to Alandra. Yeah, that's when, uh, right, and that's when, uh, Warlord walks up and he pulls off his helmet and it's like, it's me!
0: Where else would the royal consort be but by the side of his beloved, especially when he also serves as her, a warlord.
1: And so we get a touching reunion between really the only people that know, uh, the professor, which is Banshee, Wolverine, and Storm, and, uh, Professor's there, Lelandra's kind of hanging off on the side, and he's like, I've missed you so much, and the original uniforms, what a treat! But who are these new faces? Has the team gone through yet another metamorphosis? So that's the legendary Charles Xavier, says Forge. That's that's your Forge? Yeah,
0: he, he only has one line in this issue. <laughs> uh,
1: yep, yeah, and the the rest of the X-Men and the Starjammers there are, are just kind of looking on.
0: He's just some... All right, uh, uh, oh, I'm getting all my voices mixed up. So I'm, I'm just gonna stop. I'm stopping.
1: <laughs> Jubilee doesn't like him. I'll, I'll leave it with that. Big deal. He's just some bald, ancient geek. Nice talk, Sherry. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I lost it too. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I can't get it for some reason. Like I ain't a Sherry Cajun. Let's say what it please. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm gonna stop as well. Uh, um. I think Jubilee Jubilee here says, uh, I don't like this guy. I don't like this place. I want to go home.
0: Well, she it's her first time in
1: space. And that's respectable. Yeah. So then we turn our attention to the Savage Land, where Shield helicopters are are flying low. They've got uh Kesar and and uh, Magneto, Rogue, Nick Fury's on the on the helicopter, and Zibu is here, and they're Going to confront uh, Zaladane. Mm-hmm. and they're playing Flight of the Valkyrie or Charge of the Valkyries.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rogue
1: even makes an Apocalypse Now reference. Uh, and it's very similar, right? You get the the sun, the orange sunset, and the helicopters and whatnot. Uh, just burning pages here, really.
0: Why do I have to wear all this gear? Says Rogue. KSR says, "But the Rogue, honey, you look so gosh darn cute." Kidding aside, Red, it's time you face facts: your mutant powers are gone. No flight. Okay. Just to just to uh, nail it down, you don't have flight. You don't have super strength. You have no invulnerabilities and no absorbing others' abilities
1: with a touch. Are those my powers? <laughs> I didn't know. It, it's weird because in the last issue and this issue, Rogues like, "Why do I gotta wear clothes?" <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you're going into battle. (laughs) Don't you want, like, pants and some body armor? Yeah. But I guess the point here is that she's so used to being invulnerable that this is different for her. But anyways. I thought
0: Kesar had body armor in the last issue, but he's pretty stripped down here.
1: Yeah, if I was rogue, I'd be like, why is that dude not wearing any armor? Like, he doesn't have any powers at all. He just yells.
0: I got these fancy belt. Uh, lapels <laughs> whatever they are
1: so Magneto's flying alongside and uh, one of the Russian dudes here whose son was killed on a Russian sub which I think was X-Men number 150 but we don't have any concrete evidence of that no
0: they they do well okay they they don't call it out the issue you're right but they do mention that it was the Russian sub destroyed by Magneto
1: and they, they mentioned that the last issue as well there was no editorial note as uh, you know, as seen in issue whatever,
0: but presumably since they're saying the Russian sub, he's only destroyed one Russian sub, so it would have to be that issue. I,
1: yeah, yep, I agree. Uh, but uh, so he he shoots Magneto, this guy. Yep. You muted the butcher for all Rodina's murdered sons, and I'm guessing the Rodina was the sub.
0: Yep, that's what the asterisk says. The Russian sub destroyed by Magneto for my Dmitri. Uh, not only does he shoot Magneto, but Magneto flies into uh, Nick Fury's helicopter, and they all go crashing down.
1: Yeah, and so uh, a sergeant or colonel, or whatever, is like, "What did you do? Not only did you take out Magneto, but you also took out one of our allies." Allies, and the guy's like, murdering traitor. You've shot down one of our own. He's like, "Well, it's a necessary thing I had to do. My orders were to eliminate Magneto, and I've done that."
0: What about the rest of us? Without his power, how are we to defend ourselves against them? And he points out the window, and there's a bunch of pterodactyls, whatever you call them.
1: And Zaladayn's savages riding them with shields and spears. Uh, so, so they are in trouble. Meanwhile, on the ground, uh, I guess, you know, they, they definitely survived the helicopter crash. Rogue's laying on the ground, and a dinosaur licks her on the face, picks her up, and then tries to chomp through her armor— And at that point, she's like, oh, geez, glad I've got this armor.
0: Good thing I'm wearing it.
1: So she she punches the dinosaur in the face and and apparently it it actually knocks the dinosaur over. So she's like, oh, that's weird. Didn't figure I had that in me anymore.
0: Yeah. So she's got her strength back. And she says in the the next, uh, where's the gun? I got my strength. Why can't I fly? If only I could get up there. Where's my stinking gun?
1: And that's when Zebu and um, KSR swing in and start attacking uh, some of these dinosaurs. They're small
0: dinosaurs. They so are thankfully, they're very small. They're not t- too difficult to get to uh, shoe, as Rogue says.
1: So I guess uh, Rogue was picked up by like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and Zebu is attacking the uh, what are the Jurassic the small Jurassic Park dinosaurs? Raptors. Raptors. Yeah. Velociraptors. Veloc- yeah. yeah. So I think that's what's happening here. I don't
0: think it's a T Rex that picked up a rogue because it's pretty small, unless it's like a baby T Rex.
1: Yeah, but the, the dinosaur that Zebu knocks over is like a cat. <laughs> yeah, it's very in, small. In, in perspective to Zebu. Whereas the dinosaur that is chomping on rogue is at least twice her height. Which I guess is not T Rex height, but yeah. baby T Rex.
0: Does kind of look like a T Rex though. Okay just a baby t-rex
1: so the colonel the is dead uh because that's who they're trying to rescue up there the dinosaurs i guess ate him as much as they could uh nick fury is okay though it's worse
0: upstairs looks like we're the only survivors i know it sounds callous but the faster and further we move away from here the better for Zaladane's people come hunting
1: so in Zaladane's castle uh apparently what she likes to do is pin up poses
0: and this is the page where i noticed all the dialogue and i was like, "Whoa."
1: What the heck? I may not have read much of this because I don't know what she's saying. But it does boil down to, like, we're going to kill Magneto.
0: Yeah, the um, the Russian general is now working with Zaladane. He's shirtless.
1: Oh, uh, how'd this happen?
0: It just happened off-panel. Presumably all his buddies are dead, maybe? I don't know. Not really sure. We, ne- we never find out what happens to the other Russians.
1: How did he get here?
0: The the ter- pterodactyls with the herminions picked him up
1: you know you got 40 pages to deal with <laughs> uh you could have shown this of like all of you are dead to me i go with them one panel and then all this stuff with rogue and and Zabu and kesar and then zaladane with yuri and then i'm not like because i'm looking at this like this is just some weird cravan guy
0: no, no, that's, that's uh, Yuri Vasilimovich Semyonov.
1: I mean, it says it right there, so it's, it's my bad for not catching that. But to your point, like, I think I saw these four panels and all the words and was like, okay, next page. <laughs> uh,
0: anyway, uh, She also mentions that the, uh, she is going to be the woman responsible for the ultimate destruction of Magneto, which is weird because I thought Magneto was dead, but I guess not. I mean, I didn't really think Magneto was dead, but this is a weird way to let us know that he survived being shot.
1: For the woman responsible for, yeah, yeah. You
0: yeah. think you would see Magneto, yep. but, you know, that's just a little nitpick.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could try to argue that Magneto is dead right now and it's she's responsible for it, but we know that Yuri was the one that, Right. So uh,
0: it kind of doesn't – it kind of doesn't make any sense the way that it's presented unless you show Magneto in the foreground being tortured or something.
1: Meanwhile, Nick Fury uh, –
0: This is a big nitpick. This page is a complete waste of time. Like this is a page you could have skipped to show what happens to Yuri –
1: Right, well, they could have shrunk it down. I, I The one thing I do like here is that KSR is like, oh my gosh, this is a wasteland burnt out by Terminus, which happened in uh, Avengers number 257, which we probably read, but I don't remember it. Uh, and then they talk about like how the High Evolutionary restored the land to health, which was X-Men Annual number 12, which we did read. Uh, so, you know, just kind of like, if you're paying this close of attention, or probably more likely what happened is Jim Lee drew all of this. Chris Claremont's <laughs> looking back at his notes. He's like, "Oh, oh gosh, um, okay, this is what happened. It's fine."
0: Which is, you know, I love, I love it when they do callbacks and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But this goes nowhere, and it, and it's, it's this whole page is about how there are terrible dinosaur monsters that are more vicious than normal dinosaurs in the woods, making you think that they're actually going to encounter them, and they never do.
1: So it was yeah. a bit of a letdown. I'm wondering if, you know, because Jim Lee has. You know, It's all overgrown, so they're trying to cover their base there. It's overgrown because the high evolutionary did his thing. And then in the bottom panel, um, you've got these dinosaurs that are kind of like uh, watching them from afar, which should pay off, but I don't think it ever does. Uh, and so Chris Claremont's like, I guess I've got to deal with these dinosaurs that we drew in.
0: There's one more dinosaur in this issue, and it doesn't really – I don't feel like it connects to this, but maybe it's supposed to.
1: Uh, so then we turn our attention to Zaladane's citadel. Oh, right. And and, and so this is what uh, Zaladane is referring to, is they've captured Magneto somehow.
0: Right. And, yeah. there. and yeah. she's going to steal his powers using brainchild's machines in which she and Magneto both have to be naked. They're standing on top of these circular light devices and she's absorbing his powers and the... Uh, ultimate end goal is that magneto will be dead, and she will have all his powers. Nereal is there, and uh shanna
1: yeah it's it's a little creepy here because like brain child no worm uh uh took control of Shanna and Nereal, but then transferred that power over to brainchild, so you get this weird kind of creepy sexual vibe from from brainchild, yeah, brainchild's pretty gross yeah and and so like. Uh, Nareel's in sort of a kneeling subservient pose next to her. I don't think she's not calling a master, but she, oh, she does as my master brainchild desires. And then Shanna's just in the foreground, like, you know, stripper posing. It's yeah. This is, this really
0: is a very strange pose for Shanna.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then yes, like you said, uh, you've got Zaladane sort of just absorbing as much power, uh, from a naked Magneto. They're both naked. Um, and I think ultimately the power is just like too much. For she
0: has to do it in chunks. Yeah. So she, well, first we get for some reason, and I guess this is just a page filler. Uh, we, every, the Magneto's backstory is displayed to everybody, uh, as part of the process for some reason.
1: Uh, and I like this and I, I don't know what, what your feelings are on this page.
0: I guess I like it because I don't mind, uh, Magneto retelling his past. It's just kind of a weird, sort of thing to have displayed to everybody. I like it better as though Magneto is just thinking about all of this as he is, as he is dying. But it's weird that everybody sees it because that doesn't really have a payoff.
1: right? And I think that's just in the writing. Like I think Jim Lee drew this and I don't, you know, who knows what his intentions were. They could very well have been like um, Yuri and brainchild just kind of like, you know, evilly watching, you know, the, the destruction and the downfall of Magneto and then everything, you know, below Magneto, which is kind of his backstory of his kid and his wife dying, could have been in his imagination. Uh, but for some reason, it's written as though everybody's seeing uh, this. It's like being projected out. And I don't think it needed to be written that way. It could have been yeah. exactly what you said of like, this is happening. Um This is what, you know, uh, Brainchild and Yuri are seeing is just like a, a Magneto on his knees Defeated, but what Magneto's seeing is just like his life playing out in front of him, and how everything just turns into a mess. And and there's a lot of dialogue in here. His little green sort of narration of him sort of sort of reframing his life, yeah, uh, of like which well, is uh, good. All of that yeah. stuff
0: is good. Uh, it goes all the way up to him battling the Shadow King, which was uh, only a couple of issues ago. Pre-extinction agenda.
1: Uh, and then that's when Zaladane's like, Oh, that was magnificent, but I gotta I gotta go take a break. Get me my robe. Leave him naked.
0: Magneto tries to taunt her as, What am I, more than you can handle? And she's like, Whatever. Shut up, old man.
1: Blessed Peter, that look. I think maybe this is when I really... Yeah, because then she's like, Calm yourself, Yuri Vestislavich.
0: It's no more than an old wolf's last gesture of defiance.
1: Yeah, and I never... When I read this issue, I did not connect this man (laughs) to the man in the helicopter, even though they're the exact same. Because they look different, right? Like, he doesn't have a shirt anymore. He doesn't have
0: a shirt on, so.
1: (laughs) How did he get here? Like, just who is this guy? Uh, I think I just accepted it of like, okay, she's – maybe I missed this guy from the last issue.
0: She's got some dude
1: she hangs out with now. Sure, why not? Like She's kind of like hanging off of him like, oh, you're so muscly and I'm going to rub your chest and – uh, she 's definitely in control of the situation, but and then Nareel and shanna they they start beating on uh magneto.
0: which is a funny panel because it it looks like magneto's already over, and they're just like swinging over the top of him,
1: <laughs> just kind of like threatening yeah. him like you, and you stay down there a little yeah bit, yeah, or you're really gonna get hit
0: <laughs> you're you're gonna get it we'll leave magneto to the tender mercies of you and your pets. And then we cut to Rogue being chased by a dinosaur outside of the uh, citadel perimeter. This was weird. Where minions are?
1: Because you you see outside, there's a fight, uh, and then you see a woman with Rogue's haircut, may or may not be Rogue. It's Rogue. Uh, well, with a bikini now. And well, she,
0: she's wearing a different costume. She took off her armor, presumably because it was damaged by the the Tyrannosaurus but, but, but Rex. But
1: she's got like she's got like bracelets and and a leglet and very like she's dressed as as uh, a Savage Land native. And I don't know why. <laughs>
0: well okay i'm assuming that the reason why is because so that the the three guys that are guarding the outside of the citadel which is blindside and gaza and somebody else can ogle at her and make gross uh things like oh she's pretty fast oh look at her
1: very nice so it's so weird though because you could have like when she got chomped by the dinosaur that could have been the moment where like you know the armor started falling apart or costumes like getting her into like sexy mode which is ultimately what this is but she she went somewhere took all of that stuff off found some native clothing put all that native clothing on uh, redid her hair (laughs) (laughs) into like like a mohawk thing this is why when I first saw this panel and she's being chased by the dinosaur I'm like oh that's weird there's a There's a Savage Land girl that has, like, a a rogue haircut. Weird. And immediately, like, oh, it's rogue.
0: That's, I think, what you're supposed to think. I mean, not you, the reader, but the three guys that are watching. They're not supposed to recognize that it is a S.H.I.E.L.D. member. So she took off her armor so that they would just think it's a, a native.
1: It's not established, but...
0: No, no, it's not. I agree with you. It's it's jarring.
1: It was jarring, yes. That's that's the exact right word. So as they're sort of, like, ogling her, we get the next panel where she slams into them, and now it looks like she's got a shaved head and a mohawk. So, I am i don't know. I'm not even convinced <laughs> that, that, that Jim Lee was drawing Rogue. <laughs> but obviously he was. I don't... Actually, you know what? I take that back. I don't know that that's true either, because on the very next page, now she's got armor on and a loincloth. And... It doesn't –
0: Well, you know, so, this, is, this, so is, this is missing a later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I I don't know. A later or a, you know, uh, Nick Fury like, oh, that was a good ploy. You, you yeah, really definitely. suckered him, Rogue. Uh, but yeah. you should probably get your armor back on because now we're going to make the final attack.
0: So what happens is that blindside – uh, they're all going rogue being chased by a dinosaur and blind side's like, there's no dinosaur out there. I'm blind. I can sense that, but it's too late. And rogue, rogue like slams them all with her whammo powers. I'm mean, I'm real mean. And then the dinosaur just disappears. So there was never a dinosaur
1: where to come. Yeah. And I, I, I do actually, remember. well,
0: here's where it came from. Uh, good thing. Magneto left me his projector.
1: That's right. Rogue. That's right. Yep.
0: Which is so lame, but it's funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, Gaza's razor
0: radar sense wasn't fooled by our holographic con job. And then in parentheses, good thing Magneto left me his projector. Come on. You're better than this, Chris Claremont.
1: Yeah. An asterisk, an editorial note next to that of remember Magneto's projector would have been better than parentheses. Good thing Magneto. Nobody talks in parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so they get they get dressed uh, and they infiltrate the base.
0: Exactly, I think to the point where Zelidane just finished absorbing. I think I think sh- they get to the point where we last left off.
1: Right, Nareel and Shanna are pulling a beaten Wolverine off of the platform, and they. they...
0: At least Magneto's still breathing, but by the looks of him, only barely. Hey.
1: hey. He spotted us. Oh, so Magneto spotted them, uh, and then they fight.
0: Magneto fights, and then they all kind of jump in. Surprise, Brainy Mag's the least of your problems.
1: What's interesting is that in our earlier panels of Magneto being drained, he's, he's muscly. He's, he's a big, in-shape old man. Um, but then— yeah, He looks super scrawny. Yeah, and so in this panel where he kind of springs into action, he's very skinny, which you could kind of look at and be like, "Oh, that's just like the that was a phoned-in panel." But then a little later, they show like this very tiny decrepit Magneto, which is again incongruous with what we saw on the platform where he's being beaten by Shanna and Nareel. His arms are a little skinny in that panel, but his chest and and his his uh, thighs and everything are are or hips rather are super bulky. So.
0: It took a couple seconds for the effects to kick in.
1: Sure, sure, why I not? I guess. <laughs> and so, like I said, there there's some fighting. Yuri is able to get Zaladane um out of harm's way, and then Rogue's power comes back.
0: Zaladane says, This is stone. I don't know yet how to manipulate my magnetic fields to stop it from falling.
1: Wait a minute. I two two things I have to say. Uh, I believe that Rogue was never in the native clothes. That was the holographic projector.
0: Oh, okay, that's smart.
1: Unclear. Now, the second thing I'll say though is in that panel where she does the parentheses, left me his projector. She has no pants, right? She, her pants have been ripped off or whatever, and she just has, you know, shorts and, and a loincloth and some boots. But then in this panel where she gets all of her powers back, she's in full dress. So,
0: uh, I would blame that on the colorist. The colorist could have colored in some pants there.
1: I think you're right. Actually, I think you're absolutely right, is that she is supposed to have pants in that holographic projector panel, but the colorist is like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she's naked? I don't know.
0: Well, she didn't have pants in the previous panel, so she doesn't have pants now. That's uh, a good, good call on the hologram, though. Yeah. Right? That is, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that out, because somebody, somebody would have said something in our comments somewhere.
1: Yeah. Right. It. I mean, it's it's not clear at all, but that just clicked. It's like, wait a minute, the whole thing was a hologram. Anyways, uh, uh, they can't even keep the pants. uh Jim Lee, man, can't even get the pants <laughs> consistent because you got the Wahoo panel and her right leg is kind of like all torn up, but in the bottom left or right panel, like her whole uniform is 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 complete uh, and not damaged at all. I think she's
0: still futzing around with the projector.
1: (laughs) Sure. She's
0: just like, you know, as she's getting her powers back, she's like, I'm gonna make my left leg
1: appear like it's scratched up. Maybe maybe it just takes a while for the holographic effects to wear off. Yeah, yeah. So it was like (laughs) upper body and
0: then lower body.
1: Yeah, and so but but that's not entirely true, Adam, because on the next page her leg is ripped up again. So uh, it's, it's kind of a you know, the, the
0: projectors on the Fritz. Oh sure
1: sure. It's, it's or, or maybe the out.
0: idea is that it's supposed to be the side of her leg that we can't see in that panel is supposed to be ripped up. I, I don't know.
1: think that's what's happening, but it's again. Yeah, no, right. it's my it's my word of the day It's incongruous.
0: She saves Magneto, and Magneto uh, crawls off to get back to the circular technology machines which are still on uh Zeliding calls for backup and the uh, rogue and gazar and or kesar and uh nick fury are all fighting nick fury's fighting shanna blasted shanna i don't want to hurt you sorry carnell but they don't call my wife the she devil for nothing why isn't kesar fighting his wife
1: he's fighting uh like a dog
0: yeah, lupus or whatever oh, that dog's right. name is, yeah. Lupo.
1: Lupo. Um, Zaladane is is just wearing a robe, and it's it's very dangly and and Yeah, revealing. well, she was naked a minute ago, yeah. so that
0: makes sense. Uh,
1: uh, she uses her powers to knock Rogue out of the sky. Magneto makes it onto the platform.
0: She she throws a big thing at her, and Rogue's like, "I can't dodge it," and Magneto's like. Don't, don't, don't worry about rogue. Just do what you got to do. I'll uh, do the, do the power thing, do the power link up. I I don't know why this still works, but yeah, he's able to reverse engineer the whole thing and get all of his powers back. It's kind of cheesy, but I guess I don't know what else they were going to do. So
1: is she on the platform? Um,
0: That's a great question. I don't think so, but why not?
1: Sure. Sure. For the sake of
0: for the sake of making this seem more uh, legitimate, she's for some reason she's standing. She has maneuvered herself accidentally onto the panel.
1: So uh, when it says, "I'll be defenseless against Zaladane and everything will be dust," boom. Whose hand is that? And where are? It's they? Rogues. It's Rogue. Okay. It is
0: Rogue getting clobbered by the thing that Zaladain just threw at her?
1: And then who yells, "Murderous"? Is that? Is that I think that is Magneto. A matter of seconds would have made the difference. Murderous. I should have been faster. So he thinks thinks the rogue is dead dead. for some
0: reason. I guess he doesn't know that she's got her powers back. Although he saw her flying around. Like she literally flew him somewhere.
1: Right. And then he blasts Zaladane or blasts. That must be Zaladane he blasts.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, he he blasts her with the magnetic powers that I guess he has back now. Or, or yeah, I think that's what's happening. He has his powers back.
1: Yeah. Or he, he sucks them away from her.
0: And she doesn't have the powers.
1: Uh, and she, she, cow! she falls to the ground. He's all muscly again. He gets back up. His, man, his mind is aflame with fury and he's, he's, he's angry.
0: Comrade Colonel Semyonov uh, Brent puts a gun to his head.
1: He takes care of everything. He electrocutes Yuri. Uh, Which is kind of crappy,
0: for He's like, I'm sorry about your son, Colonel, but I'm going to kill you, which is more than I ever heard for the slaughter of those I loved.
1: That doesn't mean you should kill the dude. Your daughter, you mean. And that absolves you of any crime? I never said it did. Uh, but now you're dead. We're both condemned. Well, I mean, what's happened, you know, getting ahead of myself, what's happening here is this is the downturn of Magneto.
0: Right. He, he- yeah he decides that he uh, being a hero or being aligned with the X-Men and the greater cause of the X of Professor X uh, isn't working and he should have never bothered.
1: Right. And Rogue doesn't yet know that she's like, that's enough. Uh, You know, let's, let's wrap this whole thing up. And Magneto's like, no, I'm going to kill Zaladane.
0: Yeah. There can only be one master of magnetism and we get a page of, Uh, Rogue making an argument. and
1: Twelve little um, panels of Rogue, Nick Fury, and Magneto sort of going back and forth, and you got Solidane sort of in there, giving an evil grin of like, I guess, like, oh, these heroes are going to let me go so I can fight another day. And Magneto's like, nah, the new mutants were left in my charge, and they suffered for it, because I tried to pattern myself after Charles Xavier. I am not Xavier. He closes his fist, which kills... Zaldane. I will never be Charles Xavier. I was a fool to try. Uh, no. And he was for believing it si- could succeed. As he was. And so he reforms his classic Magneto costume. Which threw me for
0: a loop for a second. I was like, wait, he's dressed now. What? Oh, and then I saw yeah. the little, the little kind of metallic bits kind of going up to him. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, that's
1: kind of neat. My people are in danger from the Hellfire Club and the Accursed Shadow King from the foul creatures such as this, perhaps even from the very United Nations, which Colonel Fury loyally serves and a kinder, gentler Magneto cannot save them. Magneto out.
0: I'll see you in X-Men number one, guys. (laughs) Peace out.
1: And so he takes off and they're like, well, how are we going to fix all this? And Storm says, come here, worm. I need your powers. And then off panel, he fixes, she fixes everything.
0: So she absorbs Zaladane's
1: powers. And no, that, Worm.
0: Or Worm's powers, and that immediately gives her control over all of the people that Worm has control over. Yes. So she makes them all go outside, and uh, she sheds a tear.
1: Yeah. Well, she sheds a tear because Magneto – I think it's Magneto thinking because it's – yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So absorbing Worm's powers, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and from this fateful crossroads, we go our separate ways, right?
0: My choice is made. My destiny set.
1: So we sort of introduced this idea that Magneto and Rogue are sort of, I guess, paired or falling in love, uh, but then they ultimately have to go their separate ways. Feels, again, a bit contrived, but... There was
0: a weird uh, thing, and I missed it, and I wanted to point it out, where they ref- they referred to Magneto's daughter as being killed by Russians? Is that is that what
1: happened? I don't remember.
0: They specify that it was Magneto hates the Russians because they killed his daughter.
1: Wasn't it Struck Baron Strucker? Didn't he have something to do with either his wife or his kid?
0: I always thought it was the Nazis.
1: No, the Nazis killed his his parents. Yeah, and then you know, he but has, I mean,
0: like like uh, the later Nazis, like after the Holocaust type stuff. Well, where, I guess
1: that would be Strucker, right? Because yeah, an Baron Reich.
0: Strucker and the I guess neo Nazis. I
1: thought. And I don't remember the order of his wife and child dying, but I might be getting this confused with the movies, but I thought townsfolk killed
0: his wife, right?
1: His wife? Maybe, yeah.
0: Like by burning down their house or something? Yeah. That rings a bell. Uh, Oh, here it is. Rogue says, Magneto, you hate the Russians because of what happened to your daughter, and Semyonov, you because of his son. So I guess Semyonov is still alive. You know,
1: Chris Claremont basically wrote all that so if if this issue says russians killed his daughter i'm inclined to believe that that's what happened i just don't remember okay.
0: yeah it was just surprising to me that i was like all right i don't remember that
1: maybe it was a less of a deal like he just lived in russia and yeah they killed his daughter because they found out he was a mutant but okay. now they're turning it into a bigger deal i can buy that but i don't remember Meanwhile, back in space, because that's still happening.
0: The, uh, yeah, the, the Lelandra is swearing herself in as the new leader of the Shi'ar again. Uh, the old leader. Does this guy kind of look like a predator or he something? He
1: does. I absolutely got a predator vibe from this guy. And then you got like a scroll, I think. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, hail Lelandra. she's in charge again, let's party! And so they party...
0: Forge gets hit on by a girl, and I thought he was still into f- Storm, but I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I guess, I guess he just thinks to himself, "Be still, my heart." I guess that's that's just a guy thing. He can still be into Storm.
1: I I feel like comics don't do anything unless they're going to do something with that. So <laughs> in my mind, Chris Claremont is writing out the Forge and the Storm relationship so that he can focus on maybe some sort of a relationship thing with her and Gambit. Okay. And then and then maybe like a little love triangle of Gambit, Storm and Jubilee leading to dramatic conclusions.
0: Which makes no sense whatsoever.
1: Yeah, and I mean that none of that ever comes to fruition, but
0: Charles leaves as everybody uh s- different people are doing different stuff. Uh only only Storm, Forge and Banshee came to the uh this ceremony, I guess.
1: Wolverine goes to a bar and hits on chicks and starts bar brawls. Yep.
0: Psylocke meditates in the nude. Oh, I guess she just took a bath. Yep. And she gets attacked by somebody who also looks naked.
1: Yeah, we see like a naked naked legs there pulling her hair. That's gotta hurt.
0: Yeah, that that's mean.
1: Yeah. Jubilee's like, man, Wolverine's gotta start stop starting all these bar, uh, bar fights.
0: Baldly Goward, no one nobody's ever gone thuy.
1: She doesn't like space. Yeah. I want to go home. I'm going to a mall. I'm not lost.
0: I'm not lost. No way. No how. Trey. Trey uncool. She sneaks up. Or she sees somebody in the distance. Uh, I don't know why this is happening in the middle of town or wherever she is, but I guess she says she's she's not lost, so she probably is lost. So she's probably in the dungeon of some citadel somewhere. Behold. Um, someone's torturing Deathbird. Eminence
1: the, the renegade brought low. Yeah, it's definitely a Shi'ar soldier um by blood inspire or fire i swear the gladiator and um oracle oracle uh, i guess they're in trouble
0: oracle attacks whoever is there and he does appear to be i guess i mean it's in shadow so they, maybe they look he's...
1: like they're prisoners though because like gladiators yeah, like hunch okay
0: they're they're prisoners they're attacking the person that we haven't seen yet presumably the naked person from the previous panel um but maybe not. Maybe we'll find out that's a different person. At any rate, that person says, I am a match for your mm. psychic power woman and more. Someone that sneaks up behind Jubilee and uh, says, what you doing, Sherry? <laughs> Quit your struggling here. You want to tell the whole world where
1: we be hiding? Jubilee, c'est moi, <laughs> Gambit. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I know. I knew that. Of course, of course you, you did. did. <laughs>
0: Don't call me. I, I can't switch between Gamut and Jubilee. It's impossible.
1: <laughs> don't call me. Oh darn it! Uh, <laughs> don't call me Sherry, Cajun. I ain't your sweetie. Guardian attacks gladiator. whoever the.
0: Uh, yeah, is it? Your uh, I've, yeah, I've called him Guardian. I think this whole time. Yeah, could uh, be. Gladiator attacks whoever the person off panel is, and is handily. Uh, beaten by another psychic blast. Your physical prowess is unmatched in known space, but you must face me in a different arena wherein I am without peer.
1: Jubilee says, am I dreaming or do I know that voice? Is that
0: literally a person we just met? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like five minutes ago? People that all the X-Men look up to? Weird.
0: Deathbird has proven herself unsuitable for the plan. I'm not sure what that means. So whoever this is has a plan that previously involved Deathbird, but now her sister Lelandra will prove the ideal alternative. And the Earthlings? Equally promising, if not more so, as breeding
1: stock. And then we get the big reveal that Warlord, well, the the villain is Professor X. So, I mean, I guess based
0: on this dialogue that Deathbird has proven herself unsuitable for the plan makes me feel like Professor X is taken over? Is this the Shadow King again? I don't know. I don't know what's going on.
1: Yeah, so I forgot a couple of things that came to mind as I read, oh, and that's the end of the issue, by the way, Um, is a full page spread of Professor X holding up Gladiator uh, and saying, we'll get the X-Men next. We have
0: no further need of them. They will be destroyed.
1: Yeah. So I have said in the past that I don't recall the downturn of Magneto leading to X-Men number one and that's because while i owned this issue i never liked it <laughs> uh, and i don't think i still do it's it i think they feels to me like they realized like hey we're doing an issue 275 uh, maybe we should do something special and so they took two issues and just smashed them together i feel like it's a it's it's a very
0: action heavy issue and i liked i thought the action was well choreographed well done there were a couple plot spots that we kind of nitpicked where it didn't make any sense but overall i felt like the action was pretty kind of nonstop and fun
1: uh yeah i mean some of the actions but there was you've got a double-sized issue and yet there were gaps in in what's happening it
0: could have been there obviously there could be improvements but Overall, I felt like this went by pretty quickly. Didn't, for the most part, didn't notice the uh, lots and lots of dialogue <laughs> until it got to the Pedro's like, wow, I can see more dialogue than I can see art.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, I thought that the Citadel thing got wrapped up way too fast. It just kind of happened. No, yeah, Magneto
0: getting his power back was a little clunky.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, I just, the like I've said before, like when it comes to Savage Land stories, I just kind of tune out. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> same thing with Shi'ar. So like Shi'ar and Savage Land stories, I just n- have never really been much of a fan for them. So you can imagine an issue <laughs> that's like both of those put together. I'm sure I kind of thumbed through that issue and was like, Jim Lee's a great artist. And then that was it. Because... I did not until I read this yesterday, and I read this issue a couple of times in the past. I didn't realize that this was like the issue where Magneto makes the decision to to move on because I wasn't reading it before. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So. I will say there there is I didn't there were no there were no there were no real art nitpicks in this one. What? The art is consistent for a double size issue. That's it's pretty impressive.
1: I had I think I had a couple of art nitpicks in there but they they're, they're very minor they're very It's like nitpicky. continuity yeah. things yeah. more yeah. than anything. I I guess I want to be clear. I, I I very much respect what Jim Lee does with his layouts and uh what he wants to do with comics. I think is great. Whereas uh Rob Liefeld's just a hack.
0: <laughs> the art well having some continuity issues I think looked like there were no there were no perspective problems that no. we usually point out or stuff like that or or things where legs bend the wrong way or look odd or anything like that.
1: No, I don't think Jim Lee falls into that trap. I think he's he's a student of of design and and layouts. And I think you've mentioned in the past like everybody was sort of charged with like study film, and I think right. Jim Lee's the only one that's like, hey, there's something to this. Yeah, framing and perspective and all this stuff. And he does a really good job of setting up a story. And I think that's maybe why uh, the Jim Lee, uh, Chris Claremont relationship didn't work out because Chris Claremont wants to tell you everything that's happening. And Jim Lee's like, I want to show you everything that's happening. Cause I think you could have taken this issue, cut out half the dialogue and you, you would have known what was happening.
0: Yeah. But Chris Claremont gets paid by the word. <laughs> does so he? he tries to know i have to think so uh, anyways but that would explain a lot
1: no i think you know he's he's a he also has his craft right he's, he's a, a
0: wordsmith i mean he he what he does he, he's the best at what he does and what he does is uh
1: he tells a story
0: yeah he, he's very good at it
1: and you know i think we, we, over the past you know however many episodes we've done of this thing. Like we've had a lot of commentary around like, you know, what is happening? Why is it, what is happening and why is it happening? Especially sort of pre Chris Claremont. And then when Chris, once Chris Claremont comes in and starts, you know, like really, um, you know, paying attention and, and really sort of formulating like future plans of like, okay, we're going to do this issue, but in this issue, I'm going to set up this thing that, that, I don't know, we'll touch it in like 10, 10 issues. He really becomes sort of a student of uh, what what makes for people coming back uh, to a story, serializing your story rather than sort of monster of the week and that sort of thing. So, but now I think, yeah, I think the '90s is all about highly stylized art. So, like the two of them are are not able to sort of work together because Jim Lee's probably like, why are you putting all this dialogue over my art?
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely that shift that. Artists are now more important than writers.
1: And Chris Claremont's like, why are you putting all this art below my words? (laughs) Like, how are the people going to know what's happening unless I tell them what's happening? And again, I think it's just kind of a it's an it's the next wave of like how comics are done is, you know, you can do a lot with layouts and art and you don't need to. And I think that's why today you'll take a modern comic book and it takes you seven minutes to read it. Yeah, because there are so few words. But I think, you know, when you when you stop and and you could sit there for twenty minutes and you could look at all of the artwork. Um, I don't, but <laughs> I think I think it's what you're supposed to do.
0: I think uh, yeah, I, I if if, if something. I like being pulled out of the issue by a striking panel or something like that where I'm like, "Oh, that's really nice." Um, but for the most part, I know I know some people read comics wants to read them and they go through it and just look at the art. I don't do that.
1: Yeah, and I think maybe what it is because I don't want to I don't want to downplay like I don't want to say like comics today are not as good as the comics used to be cuz it only takes me 7 minutes to get through an issue. I think it's it's more that like a really good panel can tell uh, a whole story and your brain can process that in you know, a couple of seconds. Whereas when you're reading words and processing what those words mean, you know, that, that can be, you know, tens of seconds versus just a couple of seconds. Yeah, um, and
0: maybe this is where all that begins, where the the 90s is sort of the the beginning of economic storytelling with artwork that tells the story more so than right, the words.
1: than the words, yep. I agree. Well, let us know what you think of this brave new world of 90s. I guess it's not terribly new we've been doing it for a while <laughs> but you can do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com facebook.com forward slash danger room Podcast, uh, twitter us at danger room Co, or email us danger room at xmenpodcast.com visit us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe leave feedback leave stars what have you uh, and go out to patreon.com slash danger room where we talk about the modern x-men comics as well as other sort of uh, pop culture TV shows and movies and and things of that nature.
0: Here's the thing: if you if you want to know what that's like, uh, I left the House of X, Powers of X episodes available. I don't know. I don't know how you find them, but you know, you'd probably have to scroll through. So <laughs> those those are available. Those are free for anybody. There you if go. If you want a sampler?
1: If you want a little little uh, uh, charcuterie. <laughs> board of the dangerum check those out. Uh, I feel like we get a little bit more into the whole pop culture thing as we go and I don't really recall those first powers of x uh what was the other um, one called? Powers of x
0: house of 10, I don't know. Powers of uh, 10 house of powers, x yeah, or something. Yeah. Like that. Um yeah, I think because we were covering like three issues at a time, we probably didn't jump into what sort of movies we saw so just imagine that imagine an additional like half hour to an hour tacked on at the end of every episode where we talk about whatever movies out or yeah. that we just happen to be watching
1: or or transformers gi joe he man tv show or uh whatever or or
0: whatever pop culture thing star trek yeah doctor yeah, who yeah we yeah. haven't talked about board games
1: oh it's just I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know what board game I like, Adam? No, I don't. I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> um, last, uh, I, I don't know why, I, but you know, I want to just mention last last episode. I uh, we teased up that we were going to talk about the Boba Fett show, and then we didn't on the Patreon. So maybe we'll do that next time.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, two more episodes will have come out by the time we get to there, so maybe, maybe our opinions will have changed. I doubt it. <laughs> so we'll see.
1: But what does we'll that see. mean, Adam? Does that mean that we loved the Boba Fett show? No, wait. You said you spoiled it. You said I don't like it.
0: Well, so <laughs> it's a little more. Uh, it's a little more detailed than I, I did say. I did say that I hate it, but it's it's. I, it's it's a little bit more complicated than that
1: yeah and so that's what you could look forward to uh, on the back half of our Patreon episodes uh, is uh, Adam and Jeremy and their hot takes hot takes <laughs> things like Boba Fett show yeah are you looking forward to the Ishy Tib show what <laughs> Well, Ishi Tib is one of those background Star Wars characters. Oh, okay. So I'm just waiting for the day that that he gets his own show and he does things that don't make any sense. You know, uh, I'm
0: looking forward to Obi-Wan, not looking forward to the Cassian Andor show, but I'll watch it just to see if it's terrible.
1: Well, the Obi-Wan show is going to have that guy, right? Ewan McGregor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that could be good. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, I don't, care about Cassian Andor either that could be interesting though like living on the streets as a little street rebel but I, I thought um, Ahsoka Tana and I didn't really watch the cartoon all that much but I thought uh, well what's her name as as uh, Rosario Dawson yeah I thought she was great uh,
0: yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that one too but I haven't heard anything about that one lately I have no idea when it's coming out
1: so hopefully that's not a letdown but uh, yeah. I thought that w- that would be potentially good, and I thought there was another character they were trying to tee up for their own series,
0: probably. But uh, I- Ishi Tib,
1: <laughs> the Ishi Tib. Who show. is Ishi Tib? He's uh, I don't know. He's one of the background characters. The only reason I know his name is that he was one of the more rare action figures of the sort of re-released you know Power of the Force two series. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna guess that he was like a a background Jabba's palace character, but I. I don't know.
0: Like uh neck and Klatu.
1: Yeah, but you know that those guys were like Skiff Guard people. Right. Um I'm gonna look him up. He's uh he's a green guy, he wears robes, so so he's definitely a tatooine guy, if I had to guess. Oh wait, wait, there's a there's an action slide of his scene. It's really small, I can't see it. Is he a rebel? Uh, it looks like it takes place in Return of the Jedi, so maybe when they leave, um, Tatooine and reconvene at the at the base. I don't know. Okay, let's go with that.
0: <laughs> no idea.
1: Actually, you know, I I, I think uh, a um a Max Rebo show, traveling across the universe, playing music and solving crimes. I, I think that could be fun. Yeah, we
0: discussed that. That's a, that's one of the uh, things that we discussed on our last Patreon episode.
1: There you go, you get a little teaser of of the the, the Max Rebo. Uh, uh, what's the the female character? Oh boy, <laughs> the the uh, I I can't remember the one that was a puppet, but then they did CGI for yeah. For, if you oh if
0: you God, I that? will know it once it is said, yeah. but yeah, I don't I don't I can't, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, did you – Did you? I always thought the Army of Darkness stole Klaatu, Barada, Nicktu from Star Wars. No. But they both stole from yeah. the 1951, the day of the year still stood still.
1: Yeah, which I imagine must be public domain and that's why everybody can refer to it.
0: I don't know. They made, they remade it with uh, Keanu Reeves as Klaatu, I think. Oh, yeah. Or is that is that the character's name? I don't know. Gort? I don't know
1: think Gort was the robot. I think it's Klatu. I don't know. Shortly after Klatu is shot and killed, knowing that Klatu has died, Gort vaporizes the polymer cube encasing him and kills the two soldiers. Helen conveys Klatu's message. I guess I don't know who Barada and Nicktu are. They must just be other aliens. Yeah. Anyways. Or
0: it's just a or it's just a phrase that means oh, something. Oh,
1: is a phrase that originated in the the day they were stood still Klatu instructs Helen that if any harm befalls him, she must say the phrase to the robot. Have you ever seen The Day the Earth Stood
0: Still? Because I have not.
1: I think I have. I think just because it, you know, I am a big Army of Darkness fan, and obviously once I bought like the action figures, I was like, hey, these guys are called Klaatu, Barada, That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, it was funny in Army of Darkness. I was like, all right, you know what? I, I went through a little phase when um, Netflix uh i don't know if they still do dvds but back when they did dvds i i i checked out uh 12 angry men watched that and then day the earth stood still and i was going to go on like this whole like 1950s uh classic cinema binge and i think i only made it through those two movies before i was like okay i've seen enough i mean it's fine but you know slow <laughs> as a lot of those 50s movies were yeah they're definitely slow
0: Still, I don't mean, That's, that's some not significance of MS. relevance,
1: yeah. No, I wasn't yeah. bored of them. I just, uh, my grand plans of like going through that that library, uh, just dissipated.
0: I also would like to do that someday,
1: <laughs> you know, Adam. At our age, those days are numbered.
0: That's true, <laughs> just like Chris Claremont's days on the X Men comic.
1: Oh, bringing it all back, indeed. So yeah, uh, drop us a line and let us know what you think. And like we said, we just, I guess that was a very long plug for the Patreon, but just go check it out. It's free now. Mm. I mean, a par- portion of it's free, and like a buck a month will get you the rest. Pssh. What's that? Double psh. I mean, jeez, you spend more than that than Starbucks.
0: Yeah. Stop going to Starbucks.
1: Yeah, and then you, it's mean, just you sugar. Drink that, and then it's gone
0: unless you just get straight coffee. No, in but in case that's coffee fine. Get
1: Starbucks. You got to get your frappuccino. You got to get your 900 calorie caffeine drink. Your sugar drink. Mm, so sugar bucks. <laughs> All right, well Adam, you got anything else?
0: No, I uh, I'm going to go to Starbucks and get me a white chocolate mocha.
1: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to head over there and get myself uh, a chai latte. <laughs> so until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And The danger room is closed.